0: Apparently, there's a new word in the English dictionary, Tagan.
1: What word is that, Chris? Trumpification. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a week of Trumpification, no doubt about it.
0: That's what all the headlines say, so let's get to it right now. If you want to send questions for the mailbag, you can contact Tagan via Political Wire. You can email me by simply replying to any day's newsletter. Let's start with the headlines. Politico Playbook. MAGA Plots a Senate Takeover. Punchbowl News. Trump's long Senate shadow. Axios. The Trumpification of the Republican Party is now complete. Come November, every powerful GOP leader will have been picked by Trump or spent the election cycle publicly kissing the ring. Mitch McConnell was the last domino to fall. His decision to step aside as Senate GOP leader in November sets the stage for a Trump-approved successor. The three likeliest GOP successors have already endorsed Trump. How Speaker Mike Johnson is Trump-approved and endorsed Trump almost immediately after taking the Speaker gavel in October. The Republican National Committee is poised to be taken over by Trump loyalists he handpicked, including his daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, and top campaign official, Chris Lasavita. Two of Trump's savviest GOP critics laid out the new reality in the last 24 hours. Nikki Haley conceded yesterday that it's, quote, very possible that the party is changing toward the former president. In his Senate speech, McConnell said he knows, quote, the politics within my party at this particular moment in time. I have many faults, McConnell said. Misunderstanding politics is not one of them. And then you posted on Political Wire, Mitch McConnell surrenders to Trump. You posted a David Graham piece. Dour, somber, Mitch McConnell was gleeful, if such a thing can be imagined. Surveying the aftermath of the January 6th riot, the longtime Kentucky senator concluded that Donald Trump was finished. Said McConnell to a reporter, I feel exhilarated by the fact that this fellow finally totally discredited himself. He put a gun to his head and pulled the trigger. That was little more than three years ago. Today, McConnell surrendered to Trump. And you supplemented that with a headline from The Hill, McConnell exit surprises GOP. It's Trump's party now. The question to you, as far as the Republican Party goes, Tagan, can we officially put a fork in it?
1: Well, Chris, I don't know if we can officially do it, but you and I have been talking about this for the length of as long as trial balloons been going on and even years before that, that the Republican Party is breaking apart. And everything that we've seen over the last few weeks only contributes to that thesis. You know, The question is, what took Nikki Haley so long to figure it out? And what took Mitch McConnell so long? I mean, Mitch McConnell laid the groundwork for what is happening to the Republican Party right now. Let's just take a look at what Mitch McConnell's real legacy is because the frustrating thing about reading all of these pieces about Mitch McConnell's exit is that he's being portrayed as some sort of master senator who understands the intricacies of the Senate better than anybody else and that he's some sort of statesman. But let's take take a look at- It's so frustrating to hear all of that. Let's just take a look at what his legacy is. He undermined campaign finance reform efforts. You remember McCain-Feingold. He single-handedly destroyed that compromise, bipartisan compromise. He's the one responsible for the flood of dark money that fills our politics today. He stole a seat on the Supreme Court by refusing to hold confirmation hearings for Merrick Garland. He threatened Barack Obama when Obama was president to keep the Russian election interference secret back in 2016 when Trump and Hillary Clinton were facing off to each other. He wouldn't admit that Joe Biden won the election in 2020 for several weeks because he wanted to keep Republicans geared up for two Georgia Senate races that were going to take place in the first week of January. And he refused to hold Donald Trump accountable even after the January 6th insurrection. So you read that quote from McConnell about, you know, gleeful that somehow Donald Trump had finished himself. When Mitch McConnell had the chance to put a nail in the coffin, he didn't do it. So I think it's unbelievable that Mitch McConnell is only now just discovering that he can read the politics of the situation. It's been apparent to the rest of us for quite a while. When
0: you just describe Mitch McConnell failing to put the final stake in with Trump during the impeachment, and you started by saying that Nikki Haley is maybe just coming around what took her so long, McConnell is maybe just coming around what took him so long, it's occurring to me that, maybe it's the statement of the obvious, Haley and McConnell have both forever tried to have it both ways. They have been aware, perhaps, but they also, and you know, this has been true in Haley in her campaign, she's somehow trying to criticize Trump without, quote, alienating the Trump voters. And so that started really, really soft, really gentle. DeSantis did the same thing, and it's this desire to have it both ways. McConnell... in my opinion, did the same thing, wanted it both ways, wanted to have the appearance or somehow luck into Trump's going away, but wouldn't take the responsibility. And I think there's no question, could not agree more. The Republican Party is not where it is today. We are not where we are today without the path that Mitch McConnell has laid out. I have one more thought. Actually, I have two more thoughts, but anything on that?
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And take a look at what Mitch McConnell has cared about for the last several decades that he's been in the Senate GOP leader. He's really only cared about two things. It's been advancing conservative judges and electing Republicans. What is missing in that is public policy itself. The public policy didn't really matter. Now, who does that sound like? That sounds like Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't care about policy or ideology either. The only thing Donald Trump cares about is he's a transactional politician who makes deals with people in order to advance his power. So this very system that McConnell helped create, where policy itself didn't matter, and he was only really after those two goals, McConnell served Trump's interest as well as anybody else. And all Donald Trump had to do was to align his own interests with what Mitch McConnell goals were advancing conservative judges and electing Republicans, which was pretty easy to do if you're Donald Trump and you're running as a Republican. You know, Mitch McConnell likes to pretend that he, you know, because he hasn't talked to Donald Trump since December of 2020. Yes.
0: yes. try. This is part of the both ways, trying to have it both ways. Yes.
1: Yeah. So he likes to say that he's the, you know, he's the statesman, he's opposed to Donald yeah. Trump for all these reasons. But the simple fact is, is that he created the system that allowed Donald Trump to be Donald Trump. He is more responsible for the Republican Party's embrace of authoritarianism, than anybody except Trump himself. I mean, it's remarkable.
0: The Merrick Garland block, the failure to vote against Trump and bring other Republicans along with him. In addition, did you list this in your list? What about his statement? Wasn't it in December 2008, maybe January 2009, right after Obama had been elected, but I think before he actually took office in the Republican conference where McConnell said their singular goal was to block anything that Obama wanted to do. It aligns with your point that all he wanted to do was get Republicans elected and advance conservative judges, but that might have been the starting line.
1: No, I and I completely agree. I did not mention that in my list of bullet points there, but it, it should be included because what that actually did when McConnell set that as his goal, which by the way, again that's not a public policy goal preventing Barack Obama to a second term president you know he was simply looking to elect a Republican president and what McConnell did at that point was he perverted the rules of the Senate to be able to advance his political causes so that's when we began to see you know the weakening of the filibuster you know on certain issues that's when we began to see the Senate rules being perverted to only serve political goals and to no longer really care about these public policy goals so you know while I share Mitch McConnell's position that he would like to get aid to Ukraine, the person most responsible for that falling by the wayside is Mitch McConnell, because he created a Senate, he created a culture, and he created the path for Donald Trump. So I don't really feel much sympathy for Mitch McConnell. You know, when we talk about broader about the Republican Party, Chris, because that was the really the question, whether or not the Republican Party is done. I don't know if the Republican Party itself is done yet or if it's going to be done soon, but it is breaking apart. But here's what I do know, is that the legacy of every single Republican who has served or during this Trump era, when their party was embracing authoritarianism, every one of them, particularly Mitch McConnell, chose their own power over preserving our democracy. Every single one of them. And that's the legacy of these republicans during this era, these republican leaders. So is it a mistake that there's been a trumpification of the Republican Party where every single position of leadership is now controlled by somebody who is loyal to Donald Trump? I mean, there was an interesting point made by a, a reporter who was on X, which is also important, which is if Donald Trump actually wins the election, unlike in 2016, if he wins in 2024, there will be almost no republicans left in any position of power in the House, the Senate, anywhere who are willing to stand up to Trump on anything significant. I mean, that is a complete consolidation of power. That is Trumpification, as you say, a complete consolidation of his power, of a person who is obviously the most autocratic politician on a national level that we have seen in decades, if not centuries in this country. And Mitch McConnell and these Republicans have cleared the path for him. Excuse me while I don't celebrate Mitch McConnell's statesmanship. It occurs to me, potentially, if Trump
0: wins in 2024 and this path of Trumpification continues and the point that you just made that there is no Republican leader who would stand up to him, could it be argued that he benefited in that case by not winning in 2020? That that left more time for more people to come along, more people to get replaced Mitch McConnell to move along. He wouldn't have moved along in 2020, one might assume. It just occurs to me that the additional time potentially works to his
1: advantage. That's an interesting concept. You remember the political journalist, Jeff Greenfield. He only really writes for Politico now. Um, Every once in a while, he comes up with pieces. He had a book and he wrote several articles on the whole concept of these alternate histories of what would happen if. That's an interesting one. I'd love to talk with Jeff, about that—about what would have happened if Trump actually won re-election versus what's happening now—it's a fascinating thing. I mean, it's completely useless, except for it's a fun thing to talk about.
0: <laughs> but, if you happen to be interested, if you're a political junkie, uh,
1: but but so- I could I could talk for hours about it. We we won't do so here, but uh, but yeah, that's a very interesting question.
0: You also just mentioned a moment ago. You know, forgive you if you're not going to celebrate Mitch McConnell, the statesman, etc. How are Democrats? Reacting, and I'm thinking here, I'm, I'm asking a question I feel I know the answer to. Nancy Pelosi made a statement about Mitch McConnell and his leadership. Other Democrats, how are Democrats reacting to Mitch McConnell's leaving?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because I completely understand why someone like President Biden or Nancy Pelosi might have nice things to say about Mitch McConnell as he's stepping down from a leadership position. Because here are two people, Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, who spent their careers in the Senate and in the House trying to pass legislation. And moving legislation is facilitated by having good relationships with members of the other party, with people who have power. And then you have to let go of the differences that you have between them. And so Biden, you know, gets himself in trouble. He got himself in trouble when he was running for president four years ago when he talked about the fact that he was friendly with these Southern senators who were avowed racists and how he could work with them. But it's one of those things that being a legislator is all about these relationships and you have to let go of these differences, even when they are really severe differences. So I understand exactly why Pelosi and Biden might say nice things about Mitch McConnell in the moment as he's stepping down. But here's the thing. You and I, that's not our job. Our job is not to move legislation. Our job is to critique the legacies of someone like Mitch McConnell or Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi. And McConnell's legacy is shameful in that respect. And we can speak out and say that it's a lot easier for us to. And I think historians will do the same thing. I think historians will as well. The point that I was
0: getting at is I think it's still true. I really haven't seen a lot of the type of commentary that you and I are making about. McConnell. I feel like, and and maybe it's out there and I'm just not seeing it enough. I feel like I'm seeing more Democrats, not even strongly, Chris, obviously people are talking about Merrick Garland and the blocking there. They're talking about the impeachment, the lack of the vote, things like that. But given the direction that people fear things are going in terms of where the next leader will come from, the next Republican leader, which side of the party, it almost feels to me like there's a sense that, oh, you know, well, McConnell, yeah, he did those things, but he was in the business of legislating. He wanted, he was someone you could work with. He was an old-time Reagan. You know, you might not agree with his views, but you could sit and do business. And my point is, I think we're going to get into this a little bit with another topic that I hope we get to today, which is immigration. The goalposts moving all of a sudden. Mitch McConnell is someone you can work with. He's someone, you could really get someone, you know, oh, the, the whole thing about blocking everything and anything that Obama wanted to do, the whole thing that pushed Harry Reid to have to make the decisions that he made, the whole thing about Merrick Garland and, and I mean, yeah, but but he was a guy that we could do business with. Things are moving so rapidly, radically, that the sense of where things used to be has just shifted. I think it's a total go-poll shift.
1: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. You know, it's one of these curious side effects of the Republican Party's embrace of extremism and authoritarianism is that every new leader that kind of comes on the scene, you know, someone like Mike Johnson, you know, he's seen as an extreme radical. He's being compared somehow to the old guard. But when the old guard retires they're celebrated as statesmen and it's kind of nuts because you know Kevin McCarthy when he stepped down or Mitch McConnell when he stepped down these are very conservative politicians who, yes. who most of the time weren't interested in working across the aisle i mean they were doing what things what was like Kevin Mitch McCarthy's McC- landmark
0: legislation in partnership with the democratic party
1: no that's a, that that's exactly the point he did exactly as mcconnell did he was only interested in electing republicans that was what he tried to do. He was a complete political animal. He did not care about policy. And is it a surprise that the leader of the Republican party who has now captured the entire Republican party is Donald Trump, a man who doesn't care about public policy. He'll switch positions immediately if somehow he can gain more power out of it. It's not a mistake, Chris.
0: No, it's not a mistake. And, you know, we'll continue to discuss whether we can officially put a fork in it. But there has been a legal name change. There is a new party that has taken the name, the Republican Party, and there must have been a legal name change somewhere along the line.
1: Before we yeah. leave that topic, actually, I've got, I've got one more thing. It's just an interesting thing that I know listeners will be looking for. McConnell essentially capitulated to Trump this week because he's stepping down. He knows there's no future for him in this party anymore. Certainly, if Donald Trump he becomes the nominee. What's fascinating, though, is we also learned this week that there's a movement of Trump aides and McConnell aides to negotiate an endorsement. So it's going to be fascinating to see if Mitch McConnell is willing to humiliate himself even further to endorse Donald Trump for president. So, you know, this is the same guy, McConnell, who who would defend his wife, Elaine Chao, against Donald Trump's racist comments. And now... They are trying to secure McConnell's endorsement. Anyway, meaningless, probably, maybe not for some donors. If McConnell somehow endorses Trump, maybe that's good for Donald Trump raising money. But for political junkies watching that that happen, if Donald Trump is able to secure that endorsement of McConnell, he he will have completely choked the life out of the old Republican Party.
0: Do you know what McConnell gets in return? I I mean, I'm no, no, no. I'm I'm being being serious. I mean, I don't know this, but. A building. I, <laughs> maybe I, he gets a building. A, bu- a building named, could, don't, a don't building build. named after. Oh no, I don't mean like a Trump building. Okay, now yeah, that's pretty funny. No, that's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets a building. Yeah, that would be funny. No, I, I was no, I, was, I didn't mean it that way. That he gets a building named after him. That or or a yeah. room or a part of the Capitol, something. Mitch McConnell must be ninety-nine to one hundred percent in legacy mode. Will he capitulate one? hundred percent. No question in my mind, because if you're 82 and you've been the longest serving leader of a party in the Senate in history and you're moving on and you want to cement your place in history and you, you know, there's the Rayburn building and you've all the different buildings and the rooms. He wants a building named after
1: him. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. And and just to clarify, I wasn't suggesting that it'd be one of Donald Trump's buildings. because That was funny. Well, as we learned this week, Donald Trump may not have any buildings left because he owes $550 million in two judgments. And Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, may be seizing those buildings. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. McConnell might have to go to Letitia
0: for one of those, but to Trump for the other. So quickly... What's next? Heather Cox Richardson wrote how the extremist House Freedom Caucus promptly tweeted, quote, Our thoughts are with our Democrat colleagues in the Senate on the retirement of their co-majority leader, Mitch McConnell, parens, Democrat from Ukraine and friends. No need to wait till November. Senate Republicans should immediately elect a, quote, Republican minority leader. The question is, will it be one of the three Johns? And the three Johns of the Senate, of course, are Senators John Barrasso from Wyoming, John Cornyn from Texas, and John Thune from South Dakota, who, according to Politico, have been waiting and calculating for the contest to succeed Mitch McConnell as Republican leader to begin. And now it has. The Subtle differences between the three Johns, as well as the potential entrance of a sleeper candidate or two, will make for a long leadership campaign season in the Senate.
1: Take and start
0: the horse race.
1: Well, this is what makes it even more pathetic, actually, because the three Johns have been waiting and jockeying and, and sending note cards. I'm sure sending flowers, you know, you know, sending gifts for birthdays of kids and things like this. They've been they've been waiting for this opportunity for Mitch McConnell to step down. And today, news came out that Donald Trump is urging Steve Daines, the senator from Montana, who's the head of the Senate GOP campaign effort this cycle. Donald Trump wants Steve Daines to win. So It'll be hilarious to me if it's Steve Daines catapults the three Johns and becomes the Senate Majority Leader just because Donald Trump wants him to be. So the three Johns, even though John Cornyn announced today, we're speaking on Thursday, announced today that he is indeed running, and John Thune has soft launched a campaign to become GOP leader. You know, it may be Steve Daines who's the one who, who has the final say, and you know, particularly since the leader will not be chosen until after these November elections. Steve Daines may actually help flip a few seats, which would help him get a few more votes as well. So it, it'll, it'll be interesting. We'll follow it. Some have said Democrats are going to miss Mitch McConnell because whoever comes next is going to be worse. I don't necessarily think they're going to be worse than McConnell. McConnell was pretty bad. I'm not sure how much worse you can get. First of all, I think the
0: definition of worse will shift and it will depend. I think that it, it, it'll it be equally problematic, but in new ways. Everything changes with the times. And for the times that McConnell was in, and you know, I, I keep going back to Obama coming into office and and McConnell setting himself and the Republican Party up as a blockade, as like the wall in Game of Thrones. That that's the wall that I'm thinking about for, you know, and I'm when I'm thinking about the wall. That's what it was called, right? That big wall in Game of Thrones, wasn't that? I believe so, yeah. I think it was called The Wall. Um, I believe so. You know, that's what he set himself up because that's what represented opposition at that time. Today, there's a new definition of it. And so the definition of worse will change. I got to say, whether it's Steve Daines and it very well could be, I would not bet a lot of money on anyone who is considered currently to be a quote, favorite we are the end of February in 2024. It was only about 13 months ago that the Republican Party took over leadership of the House. How much money would you have bet 13 months ago that Mike Johnson from Louisiana would be Speaker of the House?
1: Yeah, an excellent point. The answer is nobody. Nobody. Um, Nobody nobody would... (laughs) nobody would have predicted that. There is one huge difference, though, that you bring up the House, because we obviously saw the circus in terms of trying to elect a speaker in the House. We saw that circus happen twice, actually. But there is a huge difference in terms of picking the Republican leader in the Senate. First of all, it's only a majority of the Senate Republicans who have to pick their leader. It does not have to go to the House. And then number two, it's a secret vote. It's a secret ballot. So that, you know, I suspect Mike Johnson would not be Speaker of the House today. Kevin McCarthy might still be Speaker of the House today, actually, if there was a secret ballot, but that should be an interesting twist. And so even though I wrote off the three Johns just because Donald Trump is coming along, those factors actually make this a very different race. And so you're, you're right. It's anybody's guess, but I'll, I'll tell you, we're not going to know this month. We're not going to know next month. We're not going to know probably until November when the vote happens.
0: Yes, I I could not agree more. And just I you know, you know truth telling time. I, I don't listen to every word you say. I think that I think that you said that uh, it doesn't have to. That once the Senate votes within the Republican Caucus, I guess um, it won't have to go to the. It won't have to go back to the full Senate for a vote. Is that is that correct?
1: That's correct. It's just the Republican caucus that votes, but you know, look, I can be excused, Chris. This has been an insanely busy week. And yes. Do you know how busy? Do you know how busy it's been, Chris? How busy has it been, Tegan? It's been so busy they actually added an extra day to February so that we could cover all this news.
0: It's a busy month. Tegan, a good host knows when to end a show. We're going to end it on that one. Tegan with the close. Talk to you. Talk next week,
1: Chris. Talk to you next month, Chris.